proper heart. And he says, when you see these things, let not your heart be troubled. Oh my God, Jesus, over 2,000 years before our time here today, amen, he prophesied that these things would come to pass. Amen. He says these things must come to pass. Now, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, why should we not allow our hearts to be troubled? It seems counterintuitive. It seems that it don't make sense, man. Amen. Everybody hiding. Amen. Everybody panic buying. And everybody wondering when this thing is going to be over. Amen. The statisticians are doing their trajectories and their, amen, permutant calculations and all of that stuff. And everybody's wondering when it's going to end, when it's going to end. A whole lot of clamor, a whole lot of uncertainty. But in the midst of it, the Lord has the word of consolation. He says, do not allow your hearts to be troubled there are a few reasons why we should not allow our hearts to be troubled number one these things must come to pass amen they have to occur amen nothing can stop them from coming into being for the mouth of the lord had spoken it and therefore and thereby it must come to pass in psalm 119 verse 89 the bible says forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven whatever god declares it must come to pass it has to come to pass you see sometimes we think in areas that we shouldn't abide too much we tend to wonder oh uh, has this thing been engineered by man uh, where was it made where did it come from amen I like to be of the mindset, amen, to worry about the things that are imperative and important and let the rest stay for later, amen. After the meal, you can have some dessert, but amen, if your stomach is full enough, you don't need to have dessert, amen. Who did it? How did it come about? Really doesn't matter very much. What matters is whether or not you are ready to weather this storm. What matters is whether or not, amen, if you live or if you die, you are a assured of eternal life somebody ought to say amen right where you are it doesn't matter how this thing come about it doesn't matter how vastly and how rapidly it's spreading what matters most of all is when it and if, amen, you encounter this disease, is it well with thy soul? Is it well with thine heart? Is it well with thy body? Amen, amen, amen. It must come to pass. Amen. There are things that we can avoid. There are things that we can do, amen, to mitigate the spread of the virus. But what is going on in this world, we cannot stop it from happening. Amen. Oh God, because if God determines that it's going to take a certain course then it will take a certain course what is our responsibility is to follow good sense amen do what we are advised to do amen in terms of keeping ourselves safe from this germ oh but I don't let your heart be troubled brothers and sisters I don't allow your mind to run wild because God is our refuge hallelujah he is our refuge and strength in the 46th division of the psalm it is said in verse 1 that he's a very 
present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. In other words, regardless of any cataclysmic occurrence, it doesn't matter if the planet, amen, careens on its axis. God is our refuge. It doesn't matter even if you contract the virus. Hallelujah. God is our refuge. Somebody praise the Lord right there. He's not just a present help in a time of trouble. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And if God is with you, why do you need to worry yourself? Hallelujah. Hold on to your victory. Grab a cup of cappuccino or amen, a glass of limeade. Sit back and give the Lord a hallelujah praise where you are. Because God is our refuge. Somebody praise him. Amen. So what does God require of us? In the middle of the calamity, in the middle of the dread, in the middle of the uncertainty, we need to learn to be still. We need to learn to rest in the pulpitude of God's might. We need to learn to allow our souls to find peace in the midst of the storm. Be still, the psalmist says, and know. In other words, come to the deep realization that God is God. He is above all and he worketh all things. And if he is the almighty as he is, why do you need to worry? If God has you under his control, why do you need to fret? Drink your drink, eat your food, pray unto God, give thanks to the most high God, worship him anyway, knowing that he is able to keep you, he's able to save satisfy you. He's able to protect you. He's able to preserve you. He's able to give you eternal life. He's able to give you hope. He's able to give you joy. He's able to revive your soul. And even if you go to the dead degree, he is able to raise you from the dead. For he is the resurrection and he is the life and he is the light that shineth in the darkness. Don't you worry about a thing, child of God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty rather than worry rather than be troubled take solace and take refuge in the secret place of the most high God well pastor where is that place it is the place of obedience it is the place of self-denial it is the place of repentance it is the place of unmitigated joy in the Holy Ghost for anybody that puts their trust in the Lord shall never be made ashamed. Somebody give the Lord a praise right there anyway. I will say of the Lord, the psalmist declares, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. I know there might be antivirals that are available and might become widespread available in times to come. But my God is the greatest antiviral there is for no matter where you are and no matter what you're going through God is able to heal you God is able to deliver you God is able to carry you through and see you to the end of this challenge I feel like praising him right now for he shall cover me under his feathers my God and under his wings shall I trust his truth shall be my shield and my buckler I shall not be afraid for the terror by night 
night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Why? For the Lord is my refuge, and he is my strength. Somebody praise the Lord right there. In the time of trouble, you need a refuge. You need a place of strong defense. You need a citadel, if you will. You need to have a fortress. You see, the concept of a refuge, amen, gives the idea that some impending doom is pursuing you. And when that doom is pursuing you, you can run to a city of refuge. You can run to a place of security that is impenetrable to the doom that is trying to overtake you. Well, I submit to all of us here that our God, whose name is Jesus, is the quintessential refuge of refuge. He will hide you in the midst of the storm. He will keep your family. He is able to deliver you and to see you through. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord right there in the living room. Lift up your hands and let the heavens know a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come ninety. I know some people don't believe that. I know because of what's going on. You're thinking probabilistically that I may come in contact with the virus. But even if you come in contact, it cannot have rule in your house. Call me crazy if you want. Call me dumb if you will. But if I abide in the secret place, I shall be protected. All you got to do, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your mind get frustrated. Don't behave ridiculous and do what you got to do. But hold on to your confidence. I am the apple of his eye. I am in the hand of God. And nothing can pluck me out. If it's my time to die, then I'm going to die in style. Ain't no devil going to cause me to be afraid. Ain't no virus going to cause me to be petrified. I've got confidence that whether I'm dead or whether I'm alive, it is well with my soul. And that's all you need to know. It is well with your soul. But there is a conviction. There is an affirmation. There is a divine promise that if you abide under the shadow, if you hide in the secret place, this debacle, this disease shall not come nigh you. Lift up your hand right now and ask the Lord, carry me to the secret place. Lead me into that deep place where your feathers are available to keep me and to sustain me. Hallelujah. For Psalm number 27 and verse 5, the writer says here that for in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle. Shall he hide me? He shall set me up upon a rock. I don't need to worry. You don't need to fear as long as you got King Jesus for the eternal God is my refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy before thee and shall say destroy them. It don't matter what 
what Corona is saying as long as you got Jesus it is alright as long as you're in his power as long as you're under his blood it is well with your soul come on and give the Lord a hallelujah praise right there hallelujah to the most high God we praise you oh Lord for your word of affirmation and so ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters you don't need to worry in the middle of your trial and in the middle of this virus you don't need to be so petrified that you can't even eat your food if you're not fasting cook your food pray over your food and eat your dinner bless the Lord you need strength to praise him I say you need unction to function you need gumption in your body eat your food and bless the Lord don't walk about in fear don't walk about in dread it is well with my soul it is well with my family it is well with my spirit the Lord has this thing under control I love thee oh Lord my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God my strength in whom I will trust my and the horn of my salvation and my high tower those that trust in the Lord have full confidence that God is going to see us through this hour and this trial you don't need to worry you don't need to be petrified I believe more than anything now, uh, it's an opportunity for us uh, to draw closer to the Lord. It's an opportunity for us uh, to get closer into his presence. Uh, amen. So we don't need to fear. We don't need to be troubled because it must come to pass. We don't need to fear and we don't need to be troubled for God is our refuge. The third reason why we don't need to be troubled because when you look at it from the scriptural standpoint everybody has access to God but not everybody has the right to his familial protection. You have to become a part of his family to get all the assurances and have access to all of his provisions. And you might wonder then, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. Then how will I fear? Well, you need to find God while you can. You need to come to him while you still have chance. And so the third reason why we have no need to be troubled in our hearts is that God is merciful. God is a God of consideration he is a God of grace he is a God of mercy in the time of the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt into the Canaan into the promised land they were smitten by serpents and there came the time when God told Moses that he must lift up the serpent in the wilderness. And when the people would look at 
the serpent being lifted up, they would be healed of the poison and the bite that was going on in the camp. And in the book of John, the third chapter, the 14th verse, John declared what Jesus was hearing. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It was a time of affliction. It was a time of judgment. It was a time of punishment. But even in the midst of judgment and punishment, God is a merciful God. And so, in the same writing of John, the Bible says that Jesus must be lifted up from the earth, speaking of the manner in which he should die on a cross suspended in the air. And John showed us that the reason why Jesus needs to be lifted up in this manner is that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is merciful. So even if you never acknowledged him before, even if you, 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 you have never allowed your heart to believe in him, he is still merciful to you. He is merciful to all. Hallelujah. It is so much so that God is so in love with the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, somebody say whosoever believeth, should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God is not interested in condemning the world. He is interested in redeeming the world. God is not interested in punishing you. He is interested in positioning you and using you for your purpose. God doesn't want you dead and destroyed. He wants you alive both now and alive forever in eternity. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In St. John chapter 4 and verse 18 it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds might be made manifest, and that they are wrought in God. All you need to do is to believe that God took on the form of flesh. That he robed himself in flesh and came and lived and dwelt among us. The Bible says in St. John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. Amen. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 14 that the word become flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God is not interested 
in cursing and damning people. No, he's not. God doesn't want to see his world destroyed. But God is a God of judgment and mercy, righteousness, truth, grace. He is a good God. But like any good father, you establish the rules and you expect your children to follow. And when they do not follow, they have to be exposed to a system of correction. And that system of correction speaks to the end of judgment at the final. But while you have time, you have the opportunity to believe on God. For if you believe that he came to save your soul from sin and from destruction, then by his effectual work in you, you shall be saved from this sin and from what is in the world. And so Jesus is asking the world to do one thing, believe. Can you believe that Jesus is the way to live your best life now and to have eternal life then? Can you believe that Jesus died that your sins might be washed away and that you might become the righteousness of God and that you will live a fulfilling life now and then have life in the eternity to come. Can you believe that the moment you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, the moment you go down in baptism in his name, the moment you receive him as God. All of your sins are washed away. All of your sins are removed. All of your guilt is eradicated. All of your punishment is now revoked because of the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. When you believe, you have to do something else. The moment you believe, you must be brought to repentance. In St. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible declares that from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Acknowledge that you're living the way that God did not prescribe for us. Acknowledge that you're not walking according to what God has described in his holy word. Amen. Come to your senses and be honest with yourself. God has given us some commandments. He has told us how to live. And you know from earth to heaven that you're not living according to the word and the instructions of God. Then you must repent. In St. Matthew chapter 9 in verse 12 through 13. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician. If you have no sin, you don't need Jesus. If you're perfect, you don't need Jesus. Huh? In the same manner that the sick person is the one that needs the, the, the doctor. But go ye and learn what this means, he was telling them. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. Jesus never came for those that are right. He came for those that are broken. He came for those that are in bondage. 
He came for those that are in captivity to sin. Amen. You want to do right and you want to do well, but something in you just compels you and brings you to do evil. You want to speak the truth. You want to serve God. Oh, Lord God. But no matter how you try, you cannot succeed. The reason why you cannot do it is because you need the power of God inside you to be able to overcome sin and all of its power. Religion without God is powerless. Faith without the indwelling presence of God means nothing. For if God is not in you, living and moving and having his being, you cannot do the things that are of God. You must have the abiding presence of God inside you. Which is spoken of as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and, and what do you need to do? Do, do, you, do you need to go on 50 days fasting? Do you, and do you need to afflict yourself? Amen. Over five months. Amen. Do you need to, amen, go to everybody and declare? No. All you need to do is to believe, amen, that Jesus came that you might have life. And that he came that you might have life more abundantly. And when you believe, you will be driven to repent. And when you repent, Christ will come to you and he will make his abode in you. Amen. And for whosoever opened the door, he will come in and he will sup with you and he will have sweet fellowship. And what a glory that will be. You see, God requires all men everywhere to repent. Everywhere to repent. There was a time when God would surpass and look over our ignorance. But now, in Acts chapter 17... The 30th verse, the Bible says, And the times of this ignorance, God winked at it. He, he gave a merciful glance over. But now, he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, which is Jesus Christ, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. There is a day of judgment coming. But trust me, this is not it. The coronavirus isn't the day of judgment. No, no way. It is merely one of the